Blog Talk Radio. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru. Welcome to Wine Talk for today, Wednesday, March 2nd, 2011. It's 6 p.m. Eastern, and I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. I'll take your calls anytime during the show at 1-646-381-4860 or email me your questions at info at studentthewineguru.com. You can also go into my chat room here on the show page and chat with other wine enthusiasts or tweet me any questions you like at studentthewineguru on Twitter and I'll read them live here on the show. I want to say thanks to all the listeners out there for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. I call that the power of the people meets the power of the Internet. Now, if you want to find out more about me, just Google Stu the Wine Guru. You can find the websites, videos, articles, and shows that I'm currently a part of. Speaking of articles and reviews, I'm writing wine articles and reviews for Yahoo and The Examiner, so look for those as well. I've also made a Wine 101 series of videos that can be viewed just about anywhere on the Internet, but you can look for them on YouTube or my website, so check those out. All my wine articles and uh, reviews are now available on any smartphone. Just to download the Hello Vino app, and you can take my wine reviews and articles with you anywhere you go. Tonight, I have the pleasure of having two guests on at once. They are the masterminds behind the most successful Australian wine company. Family-owned and operated, they have crafted many award-winning and Wine Spectator over 90 rated Wines. The name of the incredible wine company they produce wines for, Molly Duker. Their names are Sparky and Sarah Marquis, and they'll be joining us shortly. Of course, the number that you call in is 1646-381-4860, or if you're shy and you prefer the computer, email me your questions to info at stewthewineguru.com. You can also tweet me your questions to at stewthewineguru on Twitter, and I'll read them live right here on the show. As always, I've opened a chat room for the listeners to go into and chat. You can ask questions of me or Sparky and Sarah, and I'll check into the chat room live periodically during the show to get answers for you.
So let me make sure that everyone listening knows Sparky and Sarah's website and can go there for more information about their great wines. To learn more about Sparky and Sarah and Molly Duker, go to www.buymollyduker.com. That's B-U-Y-M-O-L-L-Y-D-O-O-K-E-R.com and find out where you can buy their wines locally or buy it directly online at their website. That is the beauty of the Internet. You can sip some wine while you buy some wine. And I'm going to have many questions tonight. It seems like I have a lot of people in the uh, chat room, which is great. Uh, and uh, so everybody, I want to make sure that everybody understands that in the chat room, you can ask any questions of myself uh, or Sparky or Sarah, my guests, and I will ask them directly to them, get some answers for you as quickly as possible and directly. Um, just a quick note here as to uh, some things that are coming up. Um, I was just at the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Outstanding. All the major chefs were there. All the who's who, the Bobby Flays, uh, Anthony Bourdain, uh, Rachel Ray, Andrew Zimmern. I mean, you name them, they were there. Uh, it was fantastic. I got a chance to go to many of the events um, and took some great shots. They're up on the website, so you can check that out. Um, upcoming will be the... Uh, Boca Bacanal, which is here in uh, Boca, of course, Boca Raton, Florida. That's coming up on the 18th. And I am working on going to events in Verona, Italy, uh, and London, um, those events, as well as the Virgin Islands. So uh, those are the events that are, will be coming up pretty soon. I'm looking forward to it. So without further wait, let's bring on my guests for the night Sparky and Sarah. You there, Sparky and Sarah? Yes, we sure are. Yep, we are. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. First of all, I want to start by thanking you both for being on my show. It's a great honor to have you here tonight. It's fantastic. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be able to come and hang out with you. Excellent. You can hear me okay? Absolutely. Beautiful. Good. Good, good. I can hear you as well. Okay. So let me just let you know how it goes here. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I've got people in the chat room who will maybe ask me some questions. We'll see. Uh, and then I've got tweeted questions that come in as we speak uh, and email questions as well. So, And then there's in addition to that, there's also my questions. So um, it may come fast and furious, so just bear with me. And there is no rhyme or reason. I won't be doing it in any particular order. So... Um, so here's the let me let me ask you some of my questions I have first and foremost and that is so what were your earliest experiences with wine growing up? Um, interesting for me, we owned uh, when I was in my middle teenage years, my family owned a hotel, and uh, my dad loved wine, and uh, he'd travel all around the world getting wines from all around the world, and so he he wanted to you know we drank wine every day. Uh, in the hotel, in the in the hotel that we owned, and hotel and restaurant, and uh, so we had a, a lot to do with that. But my my passion was actually photography. So, uh, but my dad was trying to convince one of the five kids of us to go and do winemaking 
And uh, eventually, even after doing my photographic degree and become a professional photographer, I then went back and thought, I really do like wine, and I went and did wine from that. Sarah's is a totally different story. Yeah, um, my dad was a... Yeah, my uh, father was a doctor and had a love for wine, and um, every weekend he used to go to and visit tasting rooms um, all over Adelaide, um, and I used to sit in the back of the car and get squashed by the amount of cases that he would fit in the back of the car. So he had a huge cellar, and then I acquired at probably about 15, um, he would often pour a glass and I would drink a bottle of wine, and that's how I got interested. My dad's love of wine. Interesting. And, 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 and. I'm telling the censored version. The censored version. <laughs> I was going to say, it's an interesting, uh, uh, almost opposite. You know, it's it's kind of odd in that you know, Sparky, you were kind of in a completely different mind frame uh, towards photography, and Sarah, there you were. You know, your dad was like, you know, right in the the thick of things with wine, and uh, you know, you both kind of found your way and found each other, which is pretty amazing because had you not, we wouldn't have this incredible wine that we get a chance to enjoy. Yeah, that's true. So so why did you choose the varietals to make that you did out of curiosity? Yeah, I think the winemaking that we do, Sue, is, um, comes from simplicity. You know, if, if I go, if I look backwards and, and you look at where we are and even your comments about, you know, the wines that we're doing now, Molly Duca and everything else, um, we still pinch ourselves a lot and think of ourselves as two kids, that, two country kids um, that started making wine with just $1,000. And um, and so for us, it's, you know, we, we started simple and our motto has been always to stay simple. You know, we, we loved Shiraz, we loved Cabernet, we loved Merlot, and pretty well we stayed with that. And as you know from our history, you know, Sarah, in her incredible blending talents, you know, she combined that together into our wine, which we now call Two Left Feet, and also the Enchanted Path, which are blends. And right. um, and so we've never, we've never varied from that. We, 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 we're, we think of ourselves as quite simple. And we have a lot of people asking us, you know, are you going to do Grenache? Are you going to do Mavedra? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do Pinot Grigio? Are you going to do, you know, all of those other things that now everybody's trying. And right. we're, we are very comfortable staying with the simple life that we started with and, and that we've developed to where we are. And I think I have to say uh, and comment on that, I think that in and of itself is what seems to make you extremely successful because you do what you do so well that you highly focus or you uber focus, if you will, to coin a phrase, um, on the particular varietals that you have, and you do such a great job in in in, uh, in producing them. So I think that may have something to do with it, and I certainly tip my hat to you on that. Um, I'm going to grab a email question that's coming in. We've got a bunch here that are coming in fast and furious here. Uh, the first one up is from Tim at Seven Springs from Warwick, England. And it says, hi, Stu, a question for Sparky and Sarah. Hi, guys, from Chile, England. I hope you are both well. My question is, if temperatures continue to rise in the McLaren Vale year on year, what impact will this have on your vineyard management and winemaking techniques? Best wishes, Tim. Uh, great question. Um, and and we, see, we do see that uh, in, in overall aspects. 
Yes, Sarah and I laugh quite a lot because we think um, the last 10 years, you know, since we started making wine for ourselves in 2000, um, that we've actually had 10 different vintages. And um, it, it's been quite quite an interesting thing and it's been, for us, we've continued to develop and evolve our vineyard watering program that we developed that creates the, the wow impact, the wine style that we make. And um, in, interestingly enough is that this year, the year that we're sitting in right now, um, and we're going to start harvesting in two and a half, maybe three weeks from where we are right now, is, is a very mild year. But mild in terms of, oh, gee, it's hot, I want to go to the beach. We're actually um, averaging about 25 to 26 degrees centigrade, and you'd have to convert that to Fahrenheit. And they're degrees C in England. Oh, no, yeah, they are degrees C in England. <laughs> but what it means is that we're actually, in, in terms of summer, we're, we're incredibly mild. We normally have 10 to 12, 40-degree days, and we've only had one this year. Um, right. But, but that being said, the grapevine uh, in our vineyard watering program that we developed that between 25 and 30 degrees Celsius is the absolute optimum temperature. Sure. So what we've Makes actually seen for the last two years is actually mild, is actually cooler. 2008 was hot, was the big, the big heat year. And in actual fact, uh, to the, yesterday, uh, March the 2nd, 2008, was the start of 16 days in a row over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. But but we're sitting at home today. Sarah's got yeah, cold. long sleeves, long pants on. <laughs> and, um, right. and 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 we've got all of the outside we've got all of the outside doors of our house closed because it's it's only um it's only thirteen degrees outside at the moment. And that's Celsius. Right. Right. Interesting. So, so let me grab another so question. A lot of the warmer regions are getting hotter, but we tend to be, where we are in McLarenville, we have a very high Mediterranean influence. So while we may have some hot days, we actually tend to be more consistent than any, any other region in South Australia. And, that, and that's great for you guys as far as, you know, producing your wine. So, um, you know, and it works out much in a much better situation and it works out in a much better way for you. Um, so the, the next question I have for you is from Helga Orenth, 42, from Oslo, Norway. And it says, Stu, we really enjoy your show here in Norway. I hope you come here and do a wine event. My question for Sparky and Sarah is, what are the percentages of time spent on the viticulture side versus the viniculture side? Thanks. Interesting question. Thank you, Helga Orenth, 42, from Oslo, Norway, for asking your question. And uh, Sparky or Sarah, if you want to take that question. Sarah's, Sarah's looking at me going like, how do, you, how do I answer that one? <laughs> um, we, we say that 90% 90, 90 of the quality of our wines it comes from what we do in the vineyard. So, right. so we actually spend a um, from October through till harvest, which is end of April, so six months of the year, we spend a very concentrated amount of time 
in the vineyards. Um, okay. The other half of the year, the great, once we harvest the vines, we then do our post-harvest management of the vines, which takes another six weeks or so. But from that time, we're pretty focused in what's happening in the winery. So it's almost super intense, uh, six months in the vineyard, and with a, a, a one month on each side, end of that carryover, so eight months in the vineyard. And in the winery, it is um, we do, in the month of harvest is absolutely incredibly intense. So from March through till June is super intense in the winery. Um, so three months. And then basically we work in the winery, we're working at a constant pace all the way through till the following March. Wow. So we 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 bottle, we bottle the wine. So so it's it's three months of super concentrated in the winery and nine months right. of moderate pace. And the vineyards are six months of super concentrated and two month a month on either side of moderate pace. Right. Interesting. But um it's different if you're talking about time and effort like we're always tasting the wines during the year. But in, I think the val um, valuable thing to say here is 90% of the quality comes from the fruit. So, you know, if you don't have good fruit, we can't make good wine. So sure. we put probably more effort than a lot of other wineries in the vineyard. Um, so we have full-time people there. But for Sparking Eye, the quality of the fruit coming in is the most important. And then we've got 10% to play in the winery, which is... Um, careful monitoring of the barrels every month, and then the three-month intensive blending of trying to, you know, put these wines together to create, you know, harmony between the varieties or harmony between the blocks. Which is what we're doing right at the moment. Yeah. Right. We're actually, we're actually, right blending, that time. We're actually blending. Um, we were we were going to start blending velvet glove early this morning. And then remembering that we had to make the phone call, then we thought, okay, so we've got all the velvet glove samples that are all sitting up on the bench right at the moment. Wish you could show it to you. Um, so we'll be <laughs> blending velvet gloves as soon as we hang up. That's right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I have another question here. From This one is from Yaya's Wine from Reese. And it says, Stu, you are very entertaining with your show. I tried Molly Duker wines in the, the last year, and they're very good. I would like to ask them, would they source from other producers if they thought it would produce better wine than they could from their own? And then it says in Greek, which is essentially thank you, Stu. All right, well, that's a good question. Um, what we've done, and it's a premise of our company, is every, um, any grapes that we take into the winery, we have to um, fully manage that vineyard and use our vineyard watering program on it. So um, we would never go out and source some uh, some grapes from vineyards across the world if we haven't managed that vineyard. Um, right. So I suppose that's right. kind of... No, that, that, that's yeah, we, we that definitely that, makes sense. Yeah, we believe that the vineyard watering program that we created creates the wine style that we make. And right. um, and we've we've seen that where where people have tried to do variations to the management program that we have set up, and it creates a a, a, a total difference to what happens with those grapes. So sure. um, so we've just committed we've just committed that the only grapes that we will use actually have to come through our full uh, water management program. Right, and we I remember you. Have... 
Yes, sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. I was going to say, we sometimes get excited about the fact that we could go to Napa or we could go to, you know, Bordeaux or something and run our management, vineyard management program on it and see what we could do there. But um, we just get too busy making wine here. <laughs> but it would be it would be an interesting project one time. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I think I think they would benefit from it greatly. <laughs> um, so so I have some questions. I'm going to go to. So tell us about the Molly Duker Shake and why it is so important. Um, it's an interesting thing, the Molly Duker Shake, because it actually is the end of a process. How the Molly Duca shape uh, came about was because my sister got sulfur sensitized, which means she's uh, very, uh, very sensitive to sulfites in wine. And she was a winemaker, but she can no longer make wine because of this, this um, reaction that she had. And we had a passion that I wanted to make, be able to make wine that, my, that I could drink with my sister. Sure. And uh, so, what we, so we did a whole heap of research on how we could minimise the amount of sulphites. We realised that what we needed to do is have some other way of to use the absolute minimum amount of sulphites to have some other way of protecting the wine. And what we found is um, through you know many you know a couple of years worth of research is the best way we could do it was with nitrogen. But nitrogen is a inert gas. So um, so we started using. Uh, nitrogen in preference to using sulphites, using very minimal amount of sulphite so that we could drink uh, our wines that we made with my sister, having no idea that other people in the world also got impacted by sulphites. Um, no idea at all, really. Didn't even really think about that. It was just we wanted to have this passion to drink with my sister. And um, as, as we worked us out, the more that we found that out and then the, the nitrogen effect what we found with the nitrogen is that the nitrogen as an inert gas is not doesn't become a part of the wine as carbon dioxide did. It is in the wine, but what it does is it flattens the flavour a little bit. So we'd been doing the Molly Duca shake the whole time in the winery, just not calling it that. We realised that as we tasted the wines, we're thinking there's something different about this wine from when we tasted it two days ago. And when we did the checks, it was like, okay, we added nitrogen in this part of the process. And we realised that it flattened the flavours. So, so we were doing the Molly Duca shake without a name in the winery for many, you know, for many, many, many years. And it wasn't actually until uh, two, we just never told anybody about it. It wasn't until in right. 2006 I was in Hawaii doing a presentation with our distributor over there in a restaurant. And um, he was out on his phone. I was doing the Molly Duca shake on all the bottles, preparing them for him, which was the first release of Molly Duca. And um, halfway through, the, he came back. We're tasting the wines. He's loving them, of course. And halfway through the night, he says, oh, look, there's the number one wine writer in Hawaii. Should I get her to come over and taste the wines with you? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Go get her. <laughs> so she comes over. And I didn't even know this lady. I didn't know who she was. And... Right. Um, she comes over and she, I was sitting at a table. She comes to me down, she squats, she gets totally in my personal space. She looks at me in the eye and she says to me, tell me you're not Sparky Marquis. I was like, well, now I'm... She, like, she's right in my personal space. And I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm a bit, a little bit freaky. I'm like, well, I am. Why? She said, I've just watched you shake all of those bottles. And I've just said to my friend, that guy obviously knows nothing about wine. 
And it was from that day we knew that we had to start calling it something and start telling everybody about it. So we've had a lot sure. of fun because that's what we were always doing. And, uh, and then so then we developed the name The Molly Duca Shake. And uh, we've had a huge amount of fun telling everybody about what we were already doing. It's a great concept. It really is. I have to tell you. Hey, Stu, um, Stu, can I yes, add sir. something to that? Yeah, on, a, uh, sensory, <laughs> on a sensory sense, if I could encourage anyone that um, has a bottle of Molly Duca, um, you can look at the effect of it by you pour pour out a bit into a glass out of the bottle and then do the shake on the rest of the bottle and follow the, and you can watch our videos and see how to do it. Um, do the shake and then compare the shaken wine to the non-shaken wine. And it's exactly what Sparky's talking about is by releasing the nitrogen, it opens up the flavour profile. And the wine that is shaken is smooth, velvety, you know, aromatic, lift in the glass, it actually jumps out of the glass at you. The other wine, which is still a great wine, but because it's unshaken, is more flat, but it's very intense and concentrated, but the shaking glass is just beautiful. And that's why we I do it. I have to it's tell you, I, I concur. I concur. Yeah. I cool. definitely do. I think <laughs> it's amazing. That was funny. It's amazing. You, just, you, just got the, you just got the excited Sarah speaking. <laughs> I'm a shaking one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have some tweets here. Um, some tweeted questions that are coming in, so I want to get to them. Uh, Rod Phillips from Victoria, BC, Canada, tweeted, the most popular wines in our market are those with balanced acidity and less alcohol. Is that a challenge to achieve in Australia? And that's Rod Phillips from Victoria, BC, Canada. Thank you for tweeting your question. Sparky or Sarah, you want to grab that? Uh, yeah, we think it's, um, it's interesting because we we talk about wine being made of two main components and one is flavour and the other is structure. But structure right. is made of those three things that Rod's just talked about, acid, alcohol and tannins. What mm -hmm. we found in the work that we that we do is acid, alcohol and tannin work synergistically together to create balance. So if you have a wine that has for us, we're always working on the flavour side. So we try and get maximum amount of flavour, but that only happens in the vineyard. Once we harvest the, the grapes, the only thing that we as winemakers can do is work on the structural balance. So we, get, we spend all the time we can in the vineyards to get maximum flavour. Once we harvest it, the job that Sarah and I have is to create um, a balanced structure. That means, a ba and because they work synergistically together, acid, alcohol, and tannin. If you have higher alcohol, you just need to make sure that then you have lower of the other two, higher of any one, lower of the other two, because they work synergistically together. Right. Um, so, pretty much our alcohol level is determined by how the bricks that we harvest the grapes at. Mm -hmm. we, um, we we do our our acid adjustments pretty well within the first two days of crushing. So the only other thing then we have to play with over the term of the maturation phase is the amount of tannin um, from oak and from oak barrels. And we select right. our barrels to do that. So So for us, you know, sometimes even with higher alcohols, and if you see, if you have a look on the back of a Molly Duca, you're looking at a 16% in most cases. 
Um, the main thing then is to bring back your tannin and your acid levels so, so that the wine is perfectly in balance with the structural components. Right. Gotcha. That makes total sense. Um, and so just so you know, I want to just say as, as how the show goes format-wise. So in about a minute and a half, we're going to go from uh, a live show to our, our podcast show. It'll be, still be recording, and we'll have time after, you know, to continue, but we just won't have any, any live questions being asked um, via the phone or for, uh, from our chat room. So I just want to let you know. So the next question is from Thumby001 from sunny South Florida, right here in South Florida. And the question is, um, do you use screw caps exclusively or do some bottles still have cork? Now, I know the answer to that question, but I'm going to let you answer that. All right. Um, we use screw caps exclusively now. <laughs> um, we just, for the last, yeah, we just, the 2009 vintage was all in screw cap except the velvet glove. And the reason why velvet, and we're just totally for screw cap, um, and the reason is it, the quality is always 100%. Every time you open a bottle, it, there's no problem with it. Whereas with cork, we find one in 12, there'll be some taint and some, and there's also stealth cork, which is the cork that you don't know that it's cork, but people think the wine's bad. So, um, right. but we've... Last year we had velvet glove in cork, but this year we've changed the bottle mould. It's a French bottle, and we've made it screw cap. We, we remade. We yeah. had that bottle remade. Remade, yeah. So that we could, because we believe so much in screw cap, we had the bottle remade, the velvet glove bottle remade with the screw cap. Right, exactly. So, questions that I have for you as well. Um, so, what region in the world right now? And I just want to kind of step out for a second and say, do you see as the next great wine producer? I mean, Australia is phenomenal. Um, but I, I just w I wanted to get your opinion on the wine industry and the world and what you think is, is, is something that some area or some region that you think has great potential. Um, and, and their type of wines are now starting to, you know, kind of make their way into, into the world market. Um, interesting question, Stuart, because it's, it's, it's one of the things that sometimes Sarah and I laugh about because they think, uh, a lot of people think that with, for, for us that, you know, we get to see a lot of wines around the world, but we laugh, again, going back to that simplicity that we talked about right at the start of the uh, interview, is that um, there's only two things that Sarah and I drink, and that's um, Molly Duca and Jack Daniels. <laughs> um, that says it. So, <laughs> so we we tend you know, like to that. see a lot of a, a lot of other wines from around the rest of the world, except when we're with friends and they open bottles up for us and here taste this, taste this. I had this, so we always love doing that. Um, so that's uh, you know that's that's a, that's an exciting thing to us, but um, but we tend to uh, you know drink. Most of well, our own wines, but it's really interesting to see the emerging markets now. You know, the the new world uh, wines coming out now um, as people follow. And it's one of the things that we we in Australia laugh a lot about is that a lot of Australian winemakers spend 
half of their year traveling to other parts of the world and um, helping other other wine countries develop their wine making abilities. And it's right. like, okay, <laughs> so so there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of great wines now starting to come out from all sorts of places. It's it's one of those amazing things about the wine world is that it's um it's a an, an expanding situation. And even then, you look at some of the old world countries, they're changing techniques now um, because of what the new world countries have done has, has brought some really incredible wines, you know, of new world um, uh, style coming out right. of some of the old world producers. And, um, and it's, you know, just, just phenomenal to see, well, wine across the world is coming from and going to. Yeah, I think it's really hard to pinpoint one country or one region. I think it, uh, we're all improving with our techniques and methods to make great wine. So there's good wines popping up everywhere. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's pretty amazing when you yeah. look at the, the industry as a whole in that uh, even in the U.S., I mean, there are like the smallest little provinces and the smallest little uh, areas um, of and pockets of the country uh, have not only wineries but uh, vineyards, which is is pretty amazing. Know. That, you know, yeah, and and that's just the U.S. I mean, in, and I know it's that way in other parts of uh, you know the the world and and Australia and so forth, Western, Eastern, and so on. Um, so I, I always ask this question. This is one question I ask of all. You see, my the way my show works, uh, Sparking Sarah, is that I I don't ask the same questions twice of any winemakers, um, but this is one exception to that because so, I love this question and I love getting the answers. So by way of a miracle, let's say you can sit down with anyone in the world, alive or dead, tomorrow and enjoy your wine with them. Who would it be and why? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse never got that question asked to you, huh? No, that's a big one. I'm, Holy moly. I'm going to answer this one because it came right, straight sure. to mind. I would choose Robert Parker. Interesting. And the reason, okay. yeah, the reason for that is that I've met him two, twice, I think. Um, okay. And, um, and the most, the, it was back in 2005 when we started Molly Duca. And um, I was over the like that man has an amazing palate that and a memory which is incredible. So you have to admire okay. that is like way better than my palate. So we sit down with him and we've travelled all the way and he walks in and I'm in awe of you know meeting him and I say thank you so sure. much for coming. He says and he says no thank you for coming. He says I love your wines. I've been dying to taste them. So it was just an you know, he's a yeah. He's got humility and like yeah, amazing man. That's my one. An ecological love affair. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so now, Sparky, does that? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess I guess mine's I guess mine's more simple than that. You know, for me, we are super passionate about our winemaking. But we've done it. We did it right from start, right from right from day one, because we loved it, and mm -hmm. you know we loved 
you know, for me, um, Sarah and I, we work together all the time. Um, we've been married since uh, 1991. Is that right? Um, 23rd of March. 20 years. So, so in, 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 in 20 days is our anniversary. And um, for 20 years, holy moly. I didn't even realise I was that old. I got married very young and Sarah was way, way young. Yes. And yes. um and and we've been fortunate enough that we've done our whole lives together and I don't mean just being married together, I mean like all of our working life, all of our working day and everything is together. Yeah. And I suppose if I had to choose any one person in the world that I'd like to sit down and drink a glass of wine with, it's Sarah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh. Boy, I tell you. <laughs> That w- I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> and I have to say, first and foremost, first and foremost, congratulations. That's that's fantastic. That's wonderful, wonderful uh, to hear. Uh, and uh, you know, I I think every one of my listeners should be as lucky to be able to have uh, 20 years of uh, as, of a wonderful life together with their their spouse and their partner. So that's great. And that in and of itself is an, is an amazing accomplishment. Um, and a great thing, um, but I have to say I did not see that coming, Sparky. So that's uh, <laughs> it's very rare that you you stump me or surprise me, and you just did. <laughs> so that's great. That's a great answer. And um, boy, I'm sure you got a lot of great points going for you right now on on the side of Sarah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's I think it's fu- I think it's funny, Stu, because we when we first made Molly Duca. And and I know you've, you've probably heard my mum say this when we were travelling and we caught up with you last year, um, yeah. is that, uh, you know, when we first made our wines, um, you know, I said before that we started with just $1,000 in the bank. And uh, when we first made Molly Duca, you know, we were, you know, we were still kids, wet behind the ear, no real, you know, I mean, a real passion of what we wanted to do. And our first year of Molly Ducas, we're making them and, um, you know, we're saying, you know, in in the end, we actually made them, the, the decider that we made when we made the wines was that we needed to make the wines exactly how we like to drink them, just in case we had to drink the whole lot, you know, because we never even knew whether that. we were going to sell a bottle, you know, we didn't even think we'd sell a bottle of wine. And right. uh, so we, we made all of our wines for, for us to drink. What we've sure. been fortunate enough is we've been able to hang out with friends. We've been able to share Molly Duca now around the world, and you know, some some nights for us, you know, when we're when we're traveling, when we're you know re- releasing the new wines and stuff like that, just to be able to hang out with our friends, friends that we already know that are so close to us, and uh, and drink a bottle, um, and you know, for us, it's even seeing our friends telling the Molly Duca shake story. Um, before we even have a chance to talk is 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 something that always amazes us. You know, we just sit there and it's like, wow, that's really cool. Sure. It is. It's, it, isn't it amazing? It must be a great feeling. I, and I, I take it, I hear it in your voice, what a great feeling it is, because it's almost like, and I, I, I dare to say, like your baby in a sense, you know, and you're putting it out like your child. You're putting it out there into the world and everybody else is appreciating your child and everybody else is, you know, talking highly of your child and how wonderful your child is. And it, it's just a good feeling. It's a great reflection on yourself and it's a great reflection on, um, you know, the industry when someone like yourselves 
produces something so wonderful and, uh, you know, and great tasting. And the great part about it is, is like you just said, the simplicity of it is that it was something that you did for something that you thought tasted good to you. And, you know, you never knew whether anyone else was going to think that way, but it's wonderful how, you know, millions of people have. So, uh, again, I tip my hat to you on that. Um, so here's another question. So when you're not uh, making incredible and crafting incredible wines, what what are your hobbies, respectively? <laughs> well, Sparky has a big hobby, which he'll tell you about. But um, I, I, I love any sport. Um, we're mad skiers, snow skiers. So we just yeah. uh, went to Colorado in January for three weeks, and um, we just love that. Um, I play hockey and soccer. I roll a blade every Friday morning along the Esplanade. Um, I just love doing anything active, anything extreme. So my spare time is spent playing sport. Okay. Sparky? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm way more moderate than Sarah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I race go-karts. Yeah. So, uh, so um, and I've, the kids, the kids, well, the kids and I, we all race, we all race go karts. So on uh, Tuesday, next Tuesday, Luke, my son, who's now 15, and I are heading um, across across the country to race in the Victorian state titles. And then two weeks after that, we're going all the way over to Perth, Western Australia, to race in the national titles. Excellent. So. Um, so I, 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 I was ranked um, second, second highest uh, go-karter in our state last year. Um, Good for you. I, I race in two. Yeah, I race in two classes. I race in the. Um, I race in a twenty-year-old class for adrenaline, okay. and I race and <laughs> I race in an over forties class because I am. I'm forty-eight years old. Gotcha. Okay, so I'm 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 just a year behind you there. Um, but uh, it definitely seems intriguing to me to to, to race the go karts. It's something that I, I may want to take up here in Florida because certainly I have the opportunity, and there's a lot of uh, places you can go to do it. So I, I'll I'll let you know by the th- the next time you come here to Florida, you'll let me know in advance. Uh, maybe we'll go out, we'll race together. Oh, that'd be awesome! <laughs> Where excellent, the excellent. Go, always find the go kart track. <laughs> Oh, that would be great. No, I have to tell you because uh, I've, I've kind of – when you had told me about the reason why I asked the hobby question is because I knew that what was coming from Sparky, and, uh, and I remember him talking about it when he came back last year uh, to Morton's, and uh, I thought about it, and I said, you know, some point in time I'd like to do that. And so I'm going to talk to him about it on the show. Um, so I have to confide in you that that was, that was where that was going, but I definitely want to uh, – to consider doing it so that by the time you come out here again, um, at least I'll, I may not, I'm, I'm not going to be anywhere near your class but of, of go-kart racer, but I'll definitely be willing to, to uh, participate uh, and enjoy it with you. So, um, Well, the, the huge additional benefit that I've had in go-kart racing is since January of last year, um, I lost 45 pounds of, uh, lost 45 pounds. So, um, we just we just got measured yesterday, and uh, I'm now down to a situation where I have got only one pound of fat left. 
So I brought. You keep going, there'll be nothing left of you, Sparky. <laughs> well, well, when you think that think the fact that I've lost forty five pounds, and I've you didn't look like somebody that needed to know. Yeah. Well, you know, I looked at a photo of me in January, and Stu, to be honest, I did need to, and it's um, okay. I was laughing because now because now I'm down at sixteen percent body fat, and. Um, and uh, you know, down from twenty five percent body fat down to sixteen percent. That's amazing. You know, some of that, some of that is due obviously to a change in diet, but uh, sure. some of it due to go kart racing as well. <laughs> hey, listen, whatever works, right? That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. So, what what winemakers when you first started out? And I I, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'll let you ask. 